So now Charles is going to be sharing with us today. He is going to be kicking off this Lenten season. So please join me in welcoming Charles. Ah, thank you. Great. So how many of you are familiar with Lenten season? Most of us, right? Have you guys, did you guys notice people walking around with ash on their forehead? And The first time I saw that, I thought, is that like a fashion statement? What is going on? Right? It was a long time ago. But, you know, that's Catholic tradition of Ash Wednesday. You heard of it? It's, uh, it's this Lenten season is this period of six weeks that Christians have celebrated for over 2,000 years to really prepare and fast and uh, mark a special season uh, to prepare ourselves for Easter, to remember Christ's sacrifice, to, to join with him and, and walking to Calvary, uh, just special season, right? Very special for us Christians. And here at the river, we use this season to really push into God and try to experience His goodness for our lives in specific personal ways. We call it 40 days of faith, right? How many of you feel like this is your favorite season at the river, right? Many, many, many of us, right? Uh, it's because it just, it's a wonderful season to, in many ways because we experience God uh, more real and more alive than at any other time, really. We, we do many interesting things together. We fast together. We do Bible reading. But, but one thing I want to highlight, one interesting thing we do is we encourage you to come up with something you cannot get for yourself that you're going to ask God for, for six weeks. Uh, we call it the big ask, right? Just something we cannot get for ourselves. And over the years, we've seen lots of powerful God stories uh, around this season. Let me read you a couple of stories. One person wrote, I've been actively looking for job opportunities in New York for the past two years and nothing had worked out. For this 40 days of faith, one of the things I was praying for was a job and a firm that would be willing to petition for my visa, work visa. You know, that's a big ask, right? This past week, I got a job offer with a firm I am excited to work for and they will be applying for my work visa. Now that's rare, right? That's, that's nice. This is something I couldn't have done on my own. I had an amazing community of friends and family praying with me, and that has encouraged me tirelessly. It's been my big ask. God has been good to me. Yeah? That's a good result, right? We like stories like that. Another story. During the 40 days of faith, I prayed for a suicidal friend who had been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. About halfway through the 40 days, she suddenly ceased to experience the symptoms she had been dealing with, like constant fatigue, no will to live, depression, unbearable despair. And to this day, those problems are gone. She is a healthy, lovely young wife and mother of two and one of my closest friends. Thank God for her ability to live and enjoy her life. Isn't that great? Now that's, that's great, you know? 
They sound miraculous. They sound wonderful. We want to see more and more of stuff like that, right? And so, I mean, we just think it's just remarkable that we see more of stories like this during this season than we ought to expect. You know, these are long shots. So uh, we call it the big ask. We ask you to come up with something. I mean, everybody has something they want, right? Right. Even if even if your life is perfect, maybe you wanna you wanna win the lottery. Maybe I don't know. You can always think of something, some big thing you wanna ask for. Right? Everybody has challenges in life. Something you cannot get for yourself. We encourage you to think of something and pray really hard and fast and go for it this season. Now, of course, when we pray for something big we can't get for ourselves, it is by definition a long shot, right? So could we be setting ourselves up for disappointment? Yes! (laughs) If you like... If you haven't had any job offer for two years and you don't have a work visa, to ask for a job that you would be excited for, now, now by that itself is miraculous. I mean, how many jobs are there that you'll be excited for that pays well, or at least pays for your life, right? And on top of that, apply for all your visa works? I mean... What is that? Like tens of thousands of dollars, right? What firm in their right mind, right, does that if you've been unemployed for two years? That's not easy. That's a long shot. You know, you are setting yourself up for disappointment if you're going to pray your heart out for something like that. Not likely to happen. Less than 1% chance. So... Why would we want to set ourselves up for that, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the downside, right? You, 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 you have you have faith. You go for God. This is a special season. You hear inspiring stories. You hear other people getting it, so you go for it, and you don't get it, and other people gets it. That can kind of make you discouraged, right? That can kind of make you feel disappointed. You know, does God not like me? God likes other people better, that they, God would like give them this kind of great thing, but not me. So those things can hurt. Yes, disappointments can happen. On the other hand, if one out of ten of us gets this, that's one more miracle than we would otherwise get, Right? And so even with the possibility of disappointment, if we have the right mentality, this is just bonus. I mean, you weren't going to get it anyway, right? If it was a long shot, if it was going to be like a lottery, you weren't going to get it anyway. So what's the real downside? Nothing, really. wasn't going to happen anyway. So if it didn't happen, that's basically the same outcome. As long as you have the right mindset in your heart and guard against that disappointment. And in fact, you know, there's a way to approach this that makes it no downside, only upside. You know? If you can get your mindset in the right place, 
what's there to lose? Uh, you spent a little bit extra time pushing into God in prayer. That's the real investment you made. Is that a loss? No. Spending time with God? How is that a loss? It's always good to spend a little more time with God. It always leads to spiritual growth, character growth. It's always a, a benefit, don't you think? So there is no real downside if we can just have the right mentality as we approach this. Whether we get our big ask or not, we, get, we can get character growth, spiritual growth. So this year, every year we have a main theme for the 40 days of faith. And this year our main theme is character change. Character change. Because after all, when you think about it, one-time answer to prayer is great. Like getting a job is great. But eventually, you will probably get tired of that job. And you will want something different, something better. So let's face it, challenges in life never cease to come. They are like waves of the ocean. As soon as one passes, another comes. Don't you think? Like when I was in high school, getting into college was the biggest thing, right? Well, did college solve everything in my life? No, right? You go to college, even bigger problems come up. Now you have to think about jobs. Now you have to think about paying for your own life, like rent and food. And high school was a good time, actually, you know? People took care, your parents took care of you. You didn't have to worry about rent. You know, breakfast was, right? You don't have to. My God, right? And then you get a job. And did that solve all your problems? Right? Now you have to think about getting married or having kids or having a better promotions or, and let's say you get married. Did that solve all your problems? You know, like single people, you know, they're just so like, oh my God, I have to meet the right person. It becomes like the biggest. Getting married, did that, I mean, it creates so many more problems. I mean, let's just face it, right? And then you want kids, you have kids, oh my God. <laughs> Having kids, wow. I mean, great joy. I mean, like there are some people here who have just gotten babies, congratulations. But there will be problems. <laughs> there will be problems, right? <laughs> you know, wait until they become teenagers. <laughs> we have three teenagers right now. You know, challenges. It just keeps coming. So, you know, big asks, they're great. But it just gets you over the hump this time. There will be other humps. But character change like becoming a bigger soul, having more patience, more resilience, more energy, more hope, ability to, you know, just have more initiative and just never be down. You're able to just keep coming right back up and just go at it, you know. That kind of character change, oh, that's priceless. Because, well, you know the saying, like you teach someone, you, you give someone a fish, you feed them for a day, right? But you teach someone how to fish, 
you feed him for life. It's like that. You go for a big ask for a miraculous solution to your problem. That's like having a fish for a day. You got over the hump. But if you, who you are can change, if your ability to deal with problems can change, and you are able to like become this big soul and handle life and have joy and gratitude and have the best life you can have, well, what could be better, right? You, you now know how to fish for life. That's the best thing we could be asking for. Would you agree? Right? So this year, we're calling our sermon series, I Want to Get Better At, dot, 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 right? I Want to Get Better At. Now, take a moment to think about what you want to get better at. There may be many things, but pick one. If you could change one thing about your character, what would that be? Would you... Want more energy? Would you want more resilience, more kindness, more positivity, more, right? Whatever it is. And now take a moment, think about it. There has to be something that you think you could be better at, right? Think about that. And whatever that may be, we want you to go after it this season. Just ask God and work at getting better at it. So we think great things could happen this season with that mentality. Now, I'm aware that this can sound very much like some self-improvement program, right? Get you all motivated to change, you know, for the better, you know, self-improvement programs. And there are some legitimate concerns about self-improvement programs because they can actually backfire and make you feel like a loser, <laughs> Right? And that's actually even worse. So this is why from faith point of view, we want you to approach all this from the place of acceptance. Not from this place of, I have to get better at this or I suck. Right? Because that can, that can be in a lot of uh, self-improvement programs. Because character traits usually has a moral dimension. Like being kind or more honest or more loving more joyful. These are biblical commands. So if we fall short on these things, and when we like focus on these things, on like what we do not do well, that can feel heavy, heavy, quite heavy, because you can feel like a failure before God. You can feel like a bad person, because you are not, you're falling short of what Bible is telling you is laws of God, commands from God to do this, do that. And when you identify these character flaws, well, I mean, you're failing before God. You're not following God's laws. And that can really feel heavy. Guilt, shame, right? And so that can feel very important. And then we can end up using any and all motivation to try to do better. Whipping ourselves to get better. You know, what kind of a loser would be like this? You know, you got to get better. It's what God wants from me. And I'm not doing it. You got to do it. Shame on you. Right? Self-talk. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I mean, that's in me all the time. 
And I, I tend to mull over my mistakes and flaws and things I said that maybe like something wasn't so appropriate. And you just can kind of remain with you even to the next day or the week and it just kind of oppresses you. Does that sound familiar? I'm not the only one, right? That's very universal, I think. Our self-talk can get quite harsh. But if you've been coming here any length of time, especially last few weeks, I've been talking relentlessly about dangers of such mentality, right? Because that's anti-faith. Because by faith, we are unconditionally accepted. Right? By the cross. Because of the cross, all shame has been removed from us. Our standing before God has been established by Christ. And it's a gift. It's not about what we do. It's not about whether we deserve it. We don't deserve it. It's undeserved grace. We stand before God in unconditional grace. Amen? That's, that's like bedrock Christian declaration. That's what makes you Christian to believe this. Correct? So, why do we want to get better at all then? Right? We are all worthy and accepted and beloved and we are just as we are. Right? You know that hymn, right? Just as we are, we come, we've been accepted by God. So why, why try to change? What's the motivation in trying to be more loving or honest or kind or all these things? The Bible tells us to do what? Well, why? What's the motivation? Because if we are all good before God. I want us to reflect today on this powerful and intriguing verse from the Bible that says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. This is a very, very interesting verse. It points to the motivation behind why we want to get better. The motivation is because they are beneficial to us. They make life easier. We function better. But it's not about lawful or not lawful. And that word lawful here, that's not about legal or illegal. It's not about, hey, now it's all legal for me to do whatever I want. That's not what it's talking about. Whenever you see law or lawful in the Bible, it's talking about laws of God. It's talking about laws in the Bible. So, we're talking about how good we are at keeping God's laws, which means how good of a person we are. Right? So what this verse is saying is, how good of a person we are has become moot because of the cross. Because of Christ, our standing before God cannot be added to or subtracted by how good of a person we are. That's become moot. But not all things are beneficial. Lots of things will hurt you and hurt other people. So we need to be careful. We don't hurt people. Because the Bible tells us, and this is one iron rule we follow, he says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's laws. All God's laws are fulfilled by this one law. Greatest commandment, love God, love yourself, 
love your neighbor. And love here is agape, which is unconditional love. That's the unique part about this. You just have to unconditionally love yourself and extend that to other people and towards God. You know, agape, me, you, God. Simple, right? Short statement. That's the one thing we have to keep doing. But we are no longer obligated to feel shame and fear about our shortcomings and our flaws and how good of a person we are. That's all gone. Those things cause functional problems, but they do not cause shame or fear that we stand outside God's grace. Does that make sense? So all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. That's a good way to interpret that verse. You know, it shouldn't cause shame or fear that we stand outside God's grace. Another way to put this is we are encouraged to look at things from functional point of view rather than absolute standards of God point of view. Because all the shame and fear, they are so connected to the original sin of judging between good and bad. It's very hard to untangle when we start pointing out flaws and feel shame and fear about it. It's just the fruit of the knowledge of good and bad. And so hard to limit the damage it causes. It causes rupture and alienation. I mean, when you do all that self-talk towards yourself, you get self-alienation. You, you start to really not like yourself. You start to like feel like you are such a loser. And then with others, I mean, who likes to get their flaws and, and shortcomings pointed out by others? Especially in judging, condemning tones. Mean girls, right? I mean, who likes mean girls? They just get together and talk about in your face too, you know, how your, how your mistakes, your shortcomings, you know, whatever. Who likes that? Anyone? Nobody likes that. It takes a lot of work to overcome that. The research has shown that even one negative remark takes enormous amount of positive remarks or work and positivity to overcome. It causes enormous damage to be negative about anything or pointing out these flaws and mistakes. So we have to be very careful. Satan accuses. Satan points out flaws. Satan points out all these shortcomings and mistakes and judgments. Satan literally means the accuser in Hebrew. So all he does is points out your flaws. It's the original sin. But Holy Spirit his name is, or her name is, one who walks alongside us to encourage us. So, God encourages us to be better. Satan accuses us to get better. Do you see the difference? That's a very important difference. So, try to improve yourself from the place of acceptance. This is critical. Accept, positive, encourage. Don't go around pointing out how you need to do better because of this or that. 
Because it's only for functional benefits. It's not that important. Right? It's not our standing before God. It's only for functional stuff. It's not worth it. Don't like flow with Satan. <laughs> right? Don't be Satan's instrument. Be Holy Spirit's instrument. It's what we are saying. I want us to look at one more passage. God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's a very powerful verse. So even when we were caught up in all our shortcomings and problems and flaws, God didn't dwell on that at all. He just raised us up and seated us in the heavens. What's so interesting about this verse is that it doesn't say God will seat you in the heavens with Christ. But it says God has already seated you in the heavens. It's not saying God is going to save you and send you to heaven. It's saying you are already in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Do you feel like you're already in heaven? <laughs> right? You know, oftentimes we feel like we're already in hell, not already in heaven. Right? How is this true? Already in heaven? But that's what he says. Right? Very clearly, he's already saved and raised us up. And seated us with Him in the heavenly place. So we are already seated. This is a past tense. Have you ever noticed that? So we are already in heaven, is what you are saying. What this is saying. That's very interesting. I think that's the mentality that the Bible is asking you to have. You are already seated with Christ at the right side of God. You are at a very high place. Can't get any higher. By doing anything, right? What, what would you like to be higher? I mean, you want to sit in God's place? I mean, that's the only place left, right? So you, you can't add. You can't add to how holy you are or you're standing before God. It's already there, right? So whatever you do, think of yourself seated in that kind of high place. And then you start to treat yourself better. Right? You, you, you think of yourself that elevated, then you start behaving accordingly, is what we are saying here. So don't try to improve yourself from this place of, oh, you suck, get better. No. You like yourself. You're already in a very high place. You want to treat yourself well because you're already there. You're behaving accordingly to your position. That's the right motivation. Amen? Amen? All right. Sounds good. A lot of pastoral guidance here. So let's get on to what are we actually going to do now that we talked about how we're going to approach it. One, first component of our Lenten season is pray and fast. Pray and fast because you can't just change your character by trying harder. Have you tried that? I'm just going to try harder to be kind. I'm just going to just be a better person. 
just, I'm just going to be a better. I mean, it doesn't work, right? I've tried that. It doesn't work to just be better, right? Just do it doesn't work uh, when it comes to character. There's a, a reason why it's a character trait. It's based on, you know, decades of your personal habits and your upbringing and your DNA and all that. It doesn't change. So we need help. We need divine help. And and, and the good news is God promises to help you with all His power. That's the good news. And so we are here praying and fasting to ask God's help in changing us from inside out with divine power. And it does work. I become a much, much better person because of God over the years, right? Um, I, I'm not a, you know, I still need a lot of improvements, but I would have been a lot worse, you know, before I met God, you know, every third word out of my mouth was an F word, you know, it really was, I was not a, you know, the first time I joined a Bible study group in college, I had such a reputation that the leaders of that group got together and prayed. I, I found this out sometime later. <laughs> they were just praying that I would just not be such a disruptive presence when I come to this group. You know? So they actually had a special session. I heard Charles Park is coming to the group next week. You know, God help us. Uh, it's the it's the honest to God truth. I, I found out a year later that this had happened. <laughs> I I don't think people pray now when they hear I'm coming. So that's an improvement, right? Thank God. All right. So praying and fasting, it's it's asking God's help. But again, this is very important. Many of us feel like when we fast. When we give up something for God, like we're doing something holy, like makes us more holy. It's as if our mentality goes into, we're paying into like some kind of God account, right? I fasted. I did these things. So, you know, I, I, I'm paying off some kind of God account until you have enough and a miracle happens. And if it doesn't happen, you feel like, well, God owes me because, you know, I fasted and I did these things. Where is, you know, God... You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like monthly payment. You know, car payment or something. You're supposed to get something at the end of that. I think deep inside, we kind of feel like that. When we fast or do things for God or give up things for God or do holy things, we feel like we are owed. Again, I just want to say that is just so bad. That is the old mentality. That is the fruit of knowledge of good and bad mentality. That will get you to hell. God doesn't owe you squat. God never owes us anything. How does God benefit if we fast? And whatever we do for God, I mean, Bible tells us we cannot do anything for God as if God needs anything. Like, what could God... I mean, do you really think God like is like, oh, you know, I... I have a back problem, and so could you, like, go and, like, do this for me? I mean, what kind of God is in your head, right? God doesn't need anything from you. 
And if God needed something from you, that's not the kind of God that you want to serve. If anyone comes around, teaches you, you know, pay like $10,000 to this church, then God will give you $100,000, you know. What is that? God is like running some kind of pyramid scheme? I mean, what? Why would God want to do that for you? What? What? You know, you're giving money to people. Not God doesn't need your money. If God needed your money, that would not be the kind of God you want to serve. You know? Right? So fasting, giving money to church, it's for functional benefits. It's beneficial. It benefits you, not God. That's why God tells you to do these things, because it's beneficial for you. Because when you invest, it becomes valuable to you. Or something becomes valuable because you invested. Like it's easy come, easy go. You know, like if something comes to you too easy, you don't value it. Right? You, you need to put your heart into it. Then it becomes something important and things start to move and happen. Right? That's why we need to do this. We got to get that motivation very, very right. Fast, yes. But that's for you. It's beneficial for you. It doesn't change your standing before God. All things have become lawful. Some, it is not that we're becoming more holy because of these things. It just benefits you. Right? That's the mentality. It's a very powerful verse. Not about standing before God. Benefits. So, what are some options for fasting? You can really fast from anything. You can fast from food, from TV, from smartphones. That might be an extreme measure. Fasting from smartphones. People probably would rather fast from food at this point, right? But you can, if you want. From games, from sweets, alcohol, coffee. These are like traditional things Christians have fasted. At this church, I've heard people like fast from taxis or Uber, right? And some people have said, I'm going to fast from criticizing. I thought, oh, that's good. You know, if we as a whole church fasted from criticizing, I would like that. That would be a good community, (laughs) you know? So I'm intending this year to fast from stress and sweets and watching live sports during this time. This is going to get very difficult for me. So I have to say, I love to stress out. Ask my wife. It's like the one thing. Like I am just stress, stress, stress. I love to stress out. And I love to eat sweets when I'm stressing out. Anybody with me? Right? Uh, There's a perverse pleasure to this. This coronavirus thing, anybody paying attention to that? That's right in my stress wheelhouse. That's just, it's the kind of thing that feeds my weakness. I just eat that up, you know. I've been, I've been reading at least 10 articles a day on this and, you know, going out and getting like canned vegetables, you know, stuff like that, you know. But, you know, I've also found out a lot of things I never knew before. Did you know like 300 to 600,000 people die from flu every year? Oh, my God. It's a lot of people. 
How many of you get flu shots? About half of us, right? I mean, we're not that worried about the flu, right? I'm not. Coronavirus, oh my God, it's the end of the world, right? I mean, it could end up becoming pretty scary. I mean, let's, we don't know yet. But it's not the end of the world. I don't necessarily have to stress out about it. I just want to, you know? <laughs> it's enjoyable in a perverse way. So easy to fo- focus on something and obsess about it. So this year, I'm going to try not to. Whenever I stress out, I'm going to turn to God, ask for help, you know, pray and prepare, right? But there's a, there's a difference between preparing and stressing out about it. It's a waste of time stressing out. I really, really want to get better at this. Because with my back problem, I really can't afford to be stressed out, you know? It doesn't help. It lowers my immune system, so it actually feeds into increasing my likelihood of getting it. Not rational, and yet I can't help myself. Are there something like that for you? Is there something that you really want to get better at? Because it's just not rational. It doesn't help you. It just happens. Well, let's, let's get a grip on that this season. I really believe there's going to be miraculous breakthroughs this season for us as a church. It's going to happen. Amen? Amen. Next thing we want to do, we want to pair fasting and prayer with Bible reflection as well. It's like a Holy Trinity-like thing, you know? Bible is a good thing to do while we do all these things. We're going to be reading the Psalms together. Psalms are ancient prayers of the people of God. They're just great for helping us to get in touch with our emotions as we pray with God. Because these ancient people of God, they didn't hold back. They just cried out and poured out their hearts before God. And it's just so helpful in getting in touch with how we feel about our problems. And to make this a communal experience, each weekday we are going to post a short passage from one of the Psalms along with a brief reflection from various members of this community. Right, John and Sarah? Yep. And we want you to respond with a comment so that we can all participate together. So it's not just individually reading the Bible, but it just becomes a communal experience. There's something powerful about doing it together. Yes? So it's going to be fun. Have you downloaded our River NYC app? Yes, if you haven't, please, please do. It's going to make all of this so much easier because it will all be there. There will be a separate tab, 40 Days of Faith. It will all be there, the Psalms, the fasting. It will help you to do this. So please download our app. Our sermons are on it. So you can listen to it, uh, re-listen to it if you want. Uh, If you're riding the subway, why not, right? You know, block your ear canals at least. (laughs) anyway I'm excited for this season so let's begin this week by working on accepting yourself and trying to improve from the place of I like myself I'm already seated with God in the heavenly realms I I have been approved by God who then shall condemn me who then 
can take me down. If God is for me, if God has said these things about me, and I am sitting next to God, then including myself, who has the right to take me down? And so I'm going to try to improve on all these things that I see because, yes, we do have shortcomings, absolutely, you know. But for my own benefit, I'm going to try to improve because I want to treat myself better because I'm already seated with God in the heavens. Let's do that during this season. Come to church for the next six weeks. Various members of the preaching team will talk about Various different character changes that we could give better at. That's going to be inspiring. That's going to give us ideas on how to improve on all these different areas on top of what you already want to change on. And we also want you to come up with a practical thing, the big ask. You know, it's nice to have a big miraculous answers to prayer, right? It's only a one-time over-the-hump thing, like I said. It's nice to get if you need a job. If you're looking for a dream boat to marry, if you uh, got all these things in your heart, go for it. Why not? God likes you. God wants to give you stuff. Right? And we see a lot of these things happen during this season. Why not? Like a little bonus to cherry on top. Let's go for it. I'm excited. Are you? Let's pray together. God, Thank you that even when, even as, even with all our trespasses and sins and shortcomings and all the flaws, you know better than any of us what those are. You have already seated us with Christ in the heavens through the cross. Thank you for that. We are grateful that this has been given to us as a gift. So help us to live accordingly. Even now, today, change our mindset. Transform our minds not to think as the world does. As the world just thinks only about functions. And it translates to who we are as people. Transform our minds, O God that we understand that we are infinitely and unconditionally beloved and worthy and that from that place help us to experience the grace and gift of life day by day and during this 40 days of faith as we prepare for Easter as we reflect on what Christ has done for us help us change us from inside out to live life fully as a person fully alive already experiencing heaven in day-to-day lives in each moment in jesus name we pray amen